Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Your clients can discover Tahiti like never before with Windstar Cruises. With over 35 years of expertise exploring Tahiti, Windstar now welcomes the award-winning all-sweet Star Breeze to Papeiti for even more unparalleled experiences year-round. Windstar in Tahiti visits up to nine islands, has onboard enrichment and programs with a Polynesian culture ambassador, and the most frequent departures of any cruise line. New in 2024 are voyages to remote Marquesas Islands, swimming with manta rays, and your clients can even plant their own coral and help to restore the ocean. This is Tahiti Redefined. Contact Windstar today at 844-625-0198 or visit windstarcruises.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, February 6th. Happy Travel Tuesday. Happy February already. Here we are, 2024, just trucking along. We got a fun show for you today. We'll be talking big travel news, as always, and some family travel, too, as joining me later on in the show is Peter Bopp of Family Travel Association, along with travel advisor Tyson Wharton of Sioux Empire Travel. So before we get to that later in the show and talking family travel trends... As we do for every episode, we're going to dive into what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week, and we begin with the airline merger news updates on that front. The court's going to hear the JetBlue Spirit Airlines merger appeal in June. So they tried to get an expedited one. They were trying to get it in May to give it extra time. The deadline to complete this merger ends on July 24th, so it's not as expedited as JetBlue and Spirit had hoped for, but they're getting it in in June, and hopefully you know, some sort of decision will be happening before July 24th, but Overall, not looking good, not looking good for this merger to be completed. In other merger news, you've got Alaska and Hawaiian Airlines coming together, trying to, at least we'll see what happens there. Their CEOs made the rounds in Hawaii to the business community and various chambers of commerce last week, and they said that the debacle of last month's near tragedy involving Alaska Airlines jet and the blown out door, they said that would not impact the merger in any way. They also said that a lot is still in the planning stages with everything right now, and they must figure out things such as combining reservation systems, figuring out the combination of staff and what they do there. Uh, They also see this merger as a great way to better compete with the big four airlines and said that the elite status that you will have, you get recognized at the highest tier level and travelers would have access to not only Alaska lounges, but all 700 One World lounges around the world. So I think this would be a good thing for these two to merge together. The merger still has to pass government regulations. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think odds are a little better on this one, uh, partly because it's like, hey, you know, we're not all bad. We don't squash every merger out here. We'll give it some love to Alaska and Hawaii there. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That's probably not the actual case. I mean, there's people working really hard on all of this fronts, but this one just feels like it's got a little bit better success to happen. And I probably plays a little factor into the decision between JetBlue and Spirit and what just happened there, but maybe not a ton. You let me know what you think, podcast at travelpulse.com on all this airline merger front. So other airline news, Southwest Airlines is going to modernize its aircraft and uniforms. So Southwest said that they would be redesigning its aircraft with new seats and other enhancements to help modernize its flying experience. The features of the seats will include a multi-adjustable headrest cushion and a personal electronic device holder. So uh, new uniforms too. Hopefully the uh, people actually wearing them are in this whole process of the design and the fabric and everything there because you had other airlines in the past got new uniforms and their flight attendants hated it. And then people who work there were like, no, this isn't it. So hopefully, you know, Southwest is being a little more open than other companies have been in the past on uh, their uniform policy and what they're going to be wearing and how this is going to look, how it's going to feel because, you know, 
you're stuck up in the sky like that in a crammed little small space, you you want to at least be comfortable if you're a flight attendant working all that and you're a pilot as well, right? I that just seems pretty logical to me. I digress. <laughs> in other airline news, you've got a crazy some crazy incidents happening right now. Laser strikes on planes are rising. The latest data from the Federal Aviation Administration showed that laser strikes aimed at aircraft grew by a record 41% last year. Like, what? Who's doing this? It's 2024. Why are we shooting lasers at planes? Like, how do, do we need to teach this in schools? Like, what? Is, are, is it really little laser pointers? Is some of it like maybe a scope from a gun and you're just like aiming up at the sky? You want to look at planes in the sky? Get a telescope. What are you doing? Lasers at planes. Come on. Speaking of other incidents, though, the FAA is telling pilots to switch to analog to avoid spoofing. Now, spoofing is when false navigational data is sent to airplanes, sometimes rendering technology, valuable equipment, uh, totally useless. And we don't want that at all, right? So the FAA is telling pilots to monitor their equipment and be ready to switch from digital to analog. If need be, the infiltration of current navigational aids could cause a pilot to veer far off course and could be also used as a terrorist tool. So none of that. We don't want any of that. That sounds awful. So it's just... And another story here that just goes to show that being a pilot's not easy. It's a difficult job, you know, so pay those pilots what they want out there. That's what I say on that, because uh, our lives are in their hands, really, and up in that. So whew, hopefully, you know, the spoofing incidents dwindle down, but good luck to the pilots out there. But if you're a nervous flyer out there, or if your clients are nervous flyers out there, maybe don't mention that story to them, because uh, that'll just make them more paranoid. Uh because there's going to be a lot of people flying this year, as we know the air travel demand is on the up. International Air Transport Association, also known as IATA, they said that their recovery in air travel demand nearly reached the pan, uh, pre-pandemic totals in 2023. The total traffic in 2023 rose 36.9% compared to 2022. But, you know, a lot of not, not many people flying in 2022, so not a big surprise there. That's a good number and rise there. But globally, for the full year of 23, it was a Traffic was at 94.1% of pre-pandemic levels going back to 2019, which was a record year in travel. So the end of 2024 numbers are certainly going to reach that 2019 levels. I think we'll get there. I think we'll get that match of 100%, barring anything wildly crazy happening in the world again. But uh, I do wonder if it's actually going to surpass 2019 levels. I mean, is it going to be like, you know, within a few percent, you know, s small percentages here? Or is it actually going to succeed and go over 2019 levels uh, time will tell on that front, but I think it might. I think it's going to be a really busy year. Rounding out the airline news, just yesterday on Monday, President Biden tweeted, quote, you ought to be able to fly with your child and sit next to them without paying an additional fee. It's time all airlines offered fee-free family seating, end quote. President Biden, I agree. Yeah, I don't think there should be uh, fees associated with that. But you look at the planes that, uh, the companies that do offer it, according to the DOT family seating dashboard, Allegiant, Delta, Hawaiian, Southwest, Spirit, and United all offer some sort of family seating fee, while Alaska, American, JetBlue, and Frontier do not. The Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, he submitted a bill in early 2023 to make it mandatory that airlines do not charge family seating fees for children 13 and younger. Uh, that bill is yet to be passed, but what say you, dear listener out there? Should there be a fee? I mean, business is business after all. So I don't see these airlines changing it, the ones that do offer fees, uh, unless they're forced to. And then you got to beg the question, should they even be forced to? It's a business. Let them run it how they want to kind of situation, right? You know, I don't think there should be fees. I think, you know, 
that's going to entice people to, to travel um, via plane more so than drive. How many families are out there like, oh, I don't want to fly. I don't want to deal with all that. It's too much. I mean, the price is one thing already. So drop a fee in there, promote that up. I think you get them, some people flying a little bit more maybe than they would actually get out there and drive. But again, it's all a business. They're trying to make money. They got shareholders to appeal to. So I get it. I understand why they're doing it, but I, I don't, I want to see it gone. Um, some of the replies on all of the, uh, the tweets or the X puts, what are they calling those now on, on Twitter? It's or X. Sorry. I don't know. I'm still calling it a tweet, whatever. Uh, that, that tweet was interesting. He put it up on threads too, and other social media things too. And just the, the comments always when uh, any of those things are crazy and everything, but yeah, back to the story at hand here. Fees on planes. There's a lot of fees and a lot of travel all over the place. We've done a full podcast episode around that, and we've done articles up on travel polls too. But for this one, I say no families, uh, no fees for the families. <laughs> but again, yeah, I I don't see it actually happening, and I don't I don't think that they'll be forced to. I don't see that happening with with the government, but they'll try their darndest. That wraps up airline news. Let's jump over to hotel news. Hotels in the U.S. are still struggling to hire and retain employees. The U.S. Uh, and hotels in the U.S. continue to face staffing shortages with over two-thirds reporting issues hiring and retaining employees, this according to a new report by the American Hotel and Lodging Association. The report found that 72% are unable to fill open positions, despite 82% of hotels raising wages to historically record high levels and 59% offering greater hour flexibility and 33% of hotels expanding benefits for employees. So, I mean, working at a hotel, how appealing is it to people out there? I mean, that's that's a tough one. Some of them are going to be greater than others, obviously. Higher wages and better benefits are great. That's awesome. These are coming out of record levels. You know, pay people a living wage out here as inflation is outrageous over the last year here. But, you know, the, the issue on retaining employees, like, you, you got to look to those in charge then, right? I mean, what, what's happening there? What's really going on if people aren't saying uh, and then not want to stay despite the pay increase and the better benefits and something else is going on. You know, it's not just, it goes to show it's, it's not always about the money. You know, the pundits out there, they love to tout that, you know, Oh, it's always about the workers only want more pay and they're always demanding pay and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, duh. People want more money, but people also want to be treated fairly. They want to know they're in a good work environment. Like it's 2024. People aren't toxic. Uh, they're not going to go for these uh, toxic work environments. That's just not going to happen for a lot of people out there. And, are putting their foot down and, and going around. So, you know, working at a hotel, that's got to be tough. You know, obviously some positions, some places, definitely better than others out there. So hopefully we can get that ship righted there for the hotel does not have issues with the staffing front. So that's a tough one on that. That wraps up what has been trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Subscribe to our daily newsletter. That was only a little bit of what was going on in the news in the last week. There's always a ton of news in the travel industry. So subscribe to that Travel Pulse daily newsletter so you can stay up to date on all the news. Now we're going to jump over to our interview segment of the show on family travel. Windstar Cruises, who's been sailing in Tahiti for over 35 years, is your go-to choice for client adventures in Tahiti. They offer 7 to 21 day private yacht style cruises round trip from Papeete aboard Star Breeze, welcoming only 312 guests with an all suite accommodation starting at 277 square feet. Clients can choose convenient cruise plus air plus hotel packages, pre or post cruise stays in overwater bungalows, foodie cruise tours, and so much more. Reservations are open through May 2026. Contact Windstar today at 844-625-0198 or visit Windstar Cruises. 
And now joining me on the show is not one, but two guests. We've got Peter Bopp, Director of Research at the Family Travel Association, and Tyson Wharton, owner of Sioux Empire Travel. Peter, Tyson, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Eric. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Appreciate you guys jumping on. Great perspectives we're going to have today on family travel with Peter and then the research that you guys have been doing at Family Travel Association with some partners along with you guys. And Tyson, you know, being the owner of a million-dollar agency and million-dollar sales. So let's get right into family travel. What is trending in family travel? What can families expect for 2024 travel? Peter, let's start with you. Great. So I'm I'm here uh, representing our annual. The Family Travel Association does an annual study on family travel. Uh, we do it in partnership with NYU's Tisch Center for Hospitality. This year's study was done this past summer. So since it's a consumer study, what I'm going to talk about are trends that consumers shared with us in that study. Uh, now, there are three that I think are really um, valuable to talk about. The first is that we saw a large demand for large group family travel, meaning things like multi-generational travel, extended family travel, even non-related families traveling together. Uh, the highest numbers we've seen on all of those things in, in quite a while, and obviously those things took a big hit during the pandemic and they've come back strong. 55% uh, of respondents uh, reported being uh, interested in doing multi-generational travel this coming year, 41% uh, extended family travel, and 40% non-related fam family group travel. So uh, big, important numbers for the industry. Second thing is that uh, report consumers reported that they expected to at least maintain or increase they're spending on family travel in this coming year. Part of that reflects their willingness to get back into family travel and, uh, you know, to, to, you know, in a sense, prioritize family travel. Part of it also represents uh, a recognition that, you know, like everything else, there have been price increases in the travel industry, like there have been in every industry, and that that affects how much uh, uh, consumers expect to spend. And the third, and probably for our perspective, the most important is that we're seeing a recommitment to family travel in terms of a positive investment for children in terms of their education and their uh, social development. We specifically probed this area in this year's survey, and 88% of families reported that travel was helping their children overcome some of the lingering impacts of the pandemic. In particular, it was helping children recover from isolation, boosting their self-confidence, helping them to be more adaptable and open to new experience, and reawakening their so social skills, particularly around strangers. So, you know, we all believe that those are really important things about family travel, but it's great to get consumers to agree and let us know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Kids traveling at a young ages. We love that. Always good for the industry and good for kids. They should be out there traveling. Tyson, are you seeing that? Um you know, with your own kids and the family travel you're selling out there, what are you hearing from from families on, on family travel trends right now? Yeah, uh, I would say that study is spot on for what I've seen with my clients. Um, Multi-gen and group travel with either families or uh, families who are friends with each other and their kids already hang out. Um, that's been a huge increase, I would say, over the last year, um, especially like that reconnection for kids and getting them out. Uh, just for their mind, body, and spirit. 
we we sometimes as adults we're in our own bubble and we're like we really need a vacation but we we kind of forget that the kids really do need a vacation and at least for my own family i felt my kids got a lot of education out culturally while we're traveling um and and a lot that they don't get at home for sure yeah yeah Absolutely. I can see it, you know, in my four-year-old, she loves the airport and the airport and the window seats and the planes and everything. And she talked, we did two trips in January, two flights with that. And she's already talking about still, you know, when are we going to the airport? Or I want to sit by the plane, daddy, or she loves hotel rooms too. So, I mean, it's, it's starting it young and that's the way it should be. So I'm, I'm excited for her travel future as well. And all the families out there that are, are taking trips and spending the time uh, and, and their hard-earned money, you know, to actually travel because that's the importance of making sure you're maximizing that uh that travel time those vacation days that you get because you know previously before the pandemic a lot of americans were leaving those vacation days on the table and hopefully we're seeing more and more of those vacation days being used uh, with everything so as we talk about family travel here and trends and everything we also got to talk about what's impacting tyson what are you seeing impacting uh family travel decisions the most right now? um yeah i would say uh kind of a mix of uh Increased spending. Um, I mean, everything does cost more and that that is factored in. Um, and a, as well as that, with family travel, the big thing that I've had problems with is that a lot of my clientele um, want to get away when the kids have school off. And that is, of course, um, increased the cost more, you know, going over Thanksgiving, uh, New Year's, Christmas, those type of things. But the families are willing to, to pay the extra. Um, they're kind of swapping out Christmas gifts for travel um, or uh, those normal holidays that you would sit at home and maybe do things, making those more of a reconnection trip um, and saying, let's do holidays away from home versus just staying at home and doing the same thing every year. So uh, I, I've seen factors on both of those sides where maybe things uh, were a little bit more spendy, but I, I say that there's travel for every budget. And maybe if if you have the right travel advisor, um, you can take what you want and get a better deal and a better pricing, even if you have to cut down a day or a different airport or something like that. Great insights. Peter, what about you? What do you think is impacting you know, families' thoughts, even in your own life as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting. This is one thing that we always, you know, investigate in our study is kind of what are the, if you will, what are the barriers and challenges and also what are the factors that really drive decision making? Um, so, I, you know, I picked out, you know, a couple of things that really popped out from the study. The first, and, and Tyler's already talked about this, is affordability and value for money is always a big driver. Of course, this is discretionary dollars that families are spending out of their budget and they want to make sure that they can get the most out of it. So, um, you know, 59% of our respondents reported that affordability was their top concern when they were, you know, considering and researching family travel. Uh, and, you know, it's clear that consumers are very aware of what the costs of travel are and that they, you know, that they are doing the trade-offs of, you know, how much of our budget do we want to spend based on how much things are going to cost. So that's number one. Number two, uh, and I, I think this is interesting, while most of the concerns that the pandemic raised among families, the kind of fear factors that were out there about travel, most of those have, as we all know, have faded. But what's interesting is that the focus on 
hygiene, sanitation, and cleanliness among all travel touch points. So lodging, uh, transportation, dining, uh, activities even, uh, continue to be important to families. And those are things that if, you know, while most, of course, most of the industry gets those things right, but when there's a breakdown or a failure, that's a really critical failure point for families. So, you know, that's a, that's an important thing for the industry to keep in mind is that that was heightened by the pandemic and remains a really important thing. A third thing area that came out of the pandemic was heightened sensitivity to policies and cancellation terms. Families are much more attentive to what are the terms of this trip that I'm going to book. And they want to know up front, you know, what are my, what are the cancellation policies? What are the refund policies? You know, what what am I being, um, what am I signing up for, essentially? So, you know, for the industry, you know, whether that's the suppliers and, of course, uh, Tyler, like like you, the advisors, it's important to be upfront about that stuff. Don't bury it. Make it clear so that families know what they're signing up for. And finally, and I think this is great news, we saw a huge increase in willingness of families to engage a travel advisor to help them book their trip. Historically, we were seeing only about 25% of consumers reporting that they were willing to consider using a travel advisor. This year, that jumped to 70% of both parents and grandparents that we that responded to our survey. So that's obviously a huge uh, uh, thing for the industry is that parents are recognizing the benefits of working with a travel advisor. Absolutely so. Are you seeing a lot of new interest as well, Tyson? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say our uh, leads for family travel have grown over the last year, um, especially with itineraries that may be uh, very difficult. Uh, right now, currently, I'm booking a, a, a family to Ireland and Scotland and multi-stops and multi uh uh, tours of things that they want to do and just getting it right for the client. I think they they see that investment in the travel advisor now, um, especially after the pandemic and how we can just kind of make travel a lot easier uh, pre-departure and post-departure. Those are the impacts and the decision, you know, that are impacting decisions, should I say. But what about where are people going? Where do we see tra- families traveling the most? What destinations are hot right now in the U.S. internationally? What about underrated destinations? Tyson, we'll, we'll kick it to you first. Yeah. Uh, note here, I live in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where it's cold a lot of the time. So a lot of my <laughs> clientele, they want a beach. Um, they want their kids to go swim in the ocean. And even us t- tough South Dakotans, you know, like a 60 degree Florida day is hot enough for us. Uh, so a lot of my clients, they really do want that beach experience. But I, I really do want to promote um, my state for people who are out of state, South Dakota is one of the best places you can take your family. Um, we have so much to do in this state. If you love nature, the Black Hills is, is a special place that I think families can really reconnect with nature and um, see some things that maybe they can't see in their other states. Uh, so I really do promote my own state for family travel, uh, even though if I don't book a lot of people um, here uh, yet. But then uh, my clients really do love the all-inclusive experience internationally. Uh, so I would say a lot of 
That has to do with safety, um, staying on the resort. They want to make sure that I bring them to a place that I would take my own family to. And so a, a lot of that is, uh, you know, the Dominican and Mexico for myself and, and Jamaica um, and getting them really there the same day. Um, but then domestically, we're, we're all over the place. I have uh, kids who love Nashville, um, which is not a place you would think of taking uh, your family, but they, they really love the live music, and especially if they're country music fans. Um, so I like to find what my family is really interested in and then find the places around uh, the United States that really kind of pinpoint all of their interests and get them that best cultural experience. I would say Alaska, too, in the summertime is a very hot spot for my clients. Yeah, I've certainly seen Alaska trending up a lot. And, you know, I'm not surprised you gave a plug to your own state there and everything. But South Dakota, yeah, I've never been. But it is on the wish list because I do want to see Mount Rushmore. And I feel like everyone should. You know, it's right here in our own backyard, if you will. Uh, and then, yeah, Florida, always big with, with families and all-inclusive sector. You know, that's interesting, too. That is growing uh, exponentially here. There's a lot of big brands coming in and doing more And that. You know, you've got the, the Hyatts, the Hiltons, the Marriott's even jumping in on this all-inclusive train. And then they know that the families love that. You can just pay once and then, you know, you're set with everything. But um, Yeah, and I, I also think that the icon of the seas um, promotional stuff has really invigorated the cruise market for families. Just seeing those commercials, they're like, what? is this and then they kind of jump into cruising maybe it's been off their radar since 2019 2020 um we've had a lot of families that are like let's check out this royal caribbean and see what it's all about even if they maybe have had an experience they weren't fond of at another cruise um company yeah the power of commercials there <laughs> everything for sure peter what about you what, what are some destinations you love any any underrated underrated destinations you want to give love to that uh, well, you think people should well, put on their radar yeah I want to I want to follow up on Tyler's comments that I love South Dakota. We held our uh, the Family Travel Association. We held our annual summit in South Dakota back in 2019, and I did a vacation afterwards of touring around the state, and I loved it. It was just amazing. Did the Black Hills? Did you know Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, and Crazy Horse and you know, uh, went, went all around the state and just loved it. And so I, I would endorse it. What an amazing place. Awesome. Um, uh, well, in terms of what our study told us, uh, no surprise, uh, you know, Tyler already said it, it's beach, pool, warm weather, that, you know, and also, you know, let's not forget theme parks and other attractions like that. So our top three that consumers told us were the same as they usually are, which is California, Florida, and Hawaii being, you know, all the warm weather, you know, beach, outdoor type uh, locations. In fourth place is New York. And that's really a representative of families wanting culture, entertainment, museums, shopping, you know, that, that kind of bring New York up to be in fourth place. Um, in terms of international, it's interesting. This year, Europe really topped the list in a big way, taking 10 out of the top 10 countries. Countries, ten, ten, seven of the top 10 country destinations were European, with Italy, uh, the UK, and France being the top three. Japan was the first non-European spot, and that was in fifth place. So, you know, again, some interest in Asia there. And then closer to home, Mexico was in eighth place and Dominican Republic in ninth, in 10th place. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good mixture of, uh, of international destinations. 
Um, interestingly, I'm currently planning a trip to Ireland. Uh, Tyler, you mentioned that. And so, uh, you know, having a lot of fun doing my research on that and figuring out what, what we want to do. Ireland is a great destination. Yeah, no surprise. Europe is going to was hot last year. It's going to be hot again this year, uh, especially summertime. So uh, if you haven't booked anything in Europe this year and you want to go to Europe, you really should get moving on that. Same with any anything for the holidays right now, too. Uh, jump jump on, especially big family-wise or any multi-gen trips, you know, as Tyson uh, alluded yeah. to there, you really want to get booking quickly because holiday stuff is, is going to book up uh, very fast. So as we close out the podcast here, any... Um, advice you would want to pass on to our travel advisor listeners and we'll start with the travel advisor uh tyson what is your advice to travel advisors on family travel in 2024 yeah i would just uh jump on it if you're not if you don't specialize in family gen or or, uh, multi-gen groups um it's it's something that is really rewarding I, i i love planning travel but to get pictures back from my uh, clients where their their kids are having their first experience in the ocean or their first, um, you know, the virgin daiquiri, you know, on a boat or something like that. They, they, the first time they've gone down, you know, some of these um, uh, slides and stuff at Universal, like those memories that you're a part of and making those with families, it really makes your job um special in a way and like it really tugs at your heartstrings that you can kind of help these families make those memories together um and if you're educated in that field and know exactly the best places for those families to go they'll keep coming back every single time because you uh were part of that part of that family magic so i i encourage everyone you know if you're just doing like romance travel or something like that really jump in and and find the the all ages all inclusive resorts or jump into universal's training program because it's absolutely amazing um and just be part of it be a part of those family memories i love it yes thank you Uh, peter any words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to our travel listeners here yeah i would agree i would agree with everything tyler just said and i would say you know, again, I'm going to go back to that uh, statistic I quoted of, you know, 70% of, of families are now reporting that they're willing to use a travel advisor. What a big opportunity for the, you know, for the advisor industry. We sh- Everyone should be jumping on that. And I think, you know, the thing that I would say is help consumers understand how you can help them as an advisor, how you can help them. One of the things that we've known over time is that a lot of consumers don't really know how a travel advisor can help them. And so, I mean, that sounds like such a basic thing, but there's a lot of confusion out there. So that's something that as you're building your family practice, you know, that that's one of the things to really be, you know, upfront about. This is how we can help you. Um, and and also, I, I, Tyler, appreciate you saying that about, you know, learn about this market. In fact, we in the Family Travel Association, of course, being our focus, we actually offer a certification course in family travel for advisors who are interested in learning more. So that's something that, you know, certainly, and there are plenty of other family travel uh, courses out there, as Tyler mentioned, but, you know, that's one thing, a, a starting place if you're interested that you can come to our website, familytravel.org, and learn about our certification program in family travel. Excellent. Yes, advisors, definitely check that out. So that is all the time we have on the podcast this week. So Peter, Tyson, thank you guys for joining. Thank you. Great to be here. Yep. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for this week's podcast. 
tune in next week. We'll be talking a little bit about romance travel before Valentine's Day. So spark your love of travel. We'll be talking about it. So thanks for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>